You are now listening to The Seedcast. This week on the Seedcast, Andrew Nault and Julia Luft welcome illustrator and muralist Zach Kramer to the show. Working under the moniker Quinto, Zach has been a featured artist in multiple mural festivals, leaving his mark on walls across Tennessee, Texas, and most recently, Denver, Colorado. In this episode, Zach lets us in on the indirect, scenic route that led to his career. The idea of stealing like an artist and the trials and tribulations of his sink-or-swim style of creativity. So without further ado, this is episode 25 of the Seedcast featuring Zach Kramer, the illustrator and muralist that is Quinto. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Seedcast, everyone. This is, of course, Andrew Nault hanging out with Julia Luft. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah. And today we are very excited to be joined by artist Zach Kramer, also known as Quinto. Thanks for joining us, dude. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hell yeah. Uh, So, we always like to start out with when you started out. When did you start making art in your life? Um, Well, I guess, uh, so my mom is an illustrator. And Mm -hmm. uh, so growing up, she used to uh, give me copies of her line work. And so I would then just... uh, color them in and fill the walls with them. So I guess that would be really when I started. And then, of course, I graduated from that to making like uh, lots of dragons and uh, overly muscular warriors, such as Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, like really fast yeah. and stuff. <laughs> um, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's not, that, I'd say that would be my start. <laughs> and then uh, did it at a certain point feel like something that you were going to take seriously or did you always just kind of do it compulsively? Um, I always did it compulsively and then for some reason I stopped and then in high school, I was not a fan of high school. And so I think it was like junior year that I I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going to go. And I always kind of drew and I really liked doing it. And then at one point I was like, wait a second, my mother does this. Does that mean I could do it too? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and so I decided to, uh, Applied for art school and uh, really threw myself into it. Were murals always the plan? No, Was there a plan? No, no, there's, there's never a plan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've seen your work take like a lot of left turns, but it's always felt like your work. Have those turns been intentional or have they just been no. Um, <laughs> no. gradual? No, no. <clears throat> I mean, because like you asked if murals were always a thing. Uh, until sophomore year, I guess my second sophomore year, because I took a scenic route, um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't ever painted. I, I didn't paint. Seriously? Um, yeah. No, I hated painting. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I, I painted like I drew. Like I used a, when I used a paintbrush, I would draw with it, and I, I was so nervous of it. Mm. So no, not at all. <laughs> if figure drawing was always the thing that was consistent, like I started figure drawing when I was like fifteen. Okay. Um, so. What does that mean for the individuals that don't do visual art? What does it yeah. mean to draw with a paintbrush? Oh, to draw with a paintbrush? Uh, yeah. I just would be like very timid. So like if I had like a blank canvas, um, instead of just like covering it with paint, I would do like kind of line work on it. Got it. Um, Got and it. it would take me a long time to fill it in. Got it. 
But it is an interesting concept to have to try and grasp because you think about like drawing with a paintbrush and you're like, okay, well, why wouldn't you do that? Because yeah, I yeah. mean, I you could argue I still do. I just do paint by numbers and then <laughs> I, I do the line work over it. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, the paint by that's numbers is. that's all it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't know any of this. I I feel like I met you and you were already painting very huge paintings and yeah, well uh, I did that like <laughs> like any logical person I think I did like two or three paintings and then like the fourth one I did was like uh four feet big <laughs> classic <laughs> that's yeah. sick yeah so, go big or go home right yeah yeah that's uh what was it like painting on your first like wall because I feel like that's a huge um, jump I mean it was I felt like it was very like abrasive in a way like it, it just felt very new. I mean, I think you've done a couple by now, right? Mm -hmm. It felt odd to me. The biggest thing was that I couldn't move the wall. <laughs> so like, uh. it's just like it's a ninety degrees, and like I can't move it. Like I'm used to using a canvas and moving it. Right. Um, and so doing that, and then being able to get up close and do a line work was odd. Mm. But I mean, I, I guess <laughs> uh, like any good delinquent i i did the first couple walls uh my buddy and i would go into a ditch and uh <laughs> paint walls down there <laughs> just, <laughs> just yeah. like total street art kind of like yeah yeah there was a, a place that uh a lot of street artists used to practice where i was and so we would go down there and like you couldn't see us and so we could really just like have at it mm. um, and so mm. we, we practiced quite a few times down there so the first wall like people saw that i did uh i had actually drawn a couple times on a wall but the first one was uh like 70 feet <laughs> what? So, yeah so it was like going from like little baby walls like <laughs> yeah we did dive head first yeah it was it was nerve-wracking that was the one that you had practiced beforehand to kind of like prepare for it or you just were like fuck it let's do it uh i had practiced like smaller stuff and then that one was just like it was an art festival and for some reason they're like we should give him a big one and i was like Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just shit your pants on the way there. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So yeah. I'm curious, like, um, to me, as someone who's not a visual artist, your work seems extremely consistent throughout all the different things that you do as a muralist and an illustrator, like the color palettes and stuff like that and the figures. Again, is that something that's super conscious or is that just what you're interested in and kind of what comes no, no, out. Not at all. I would say that, <laughs> no, I mean, like, it's just uh, completely, I, I don't want to say by chance, but I think it's just, like, the fact that, like, having drawn so much, like, I don't think I could draw any other way now. Mm. Um, well, you, there was a point in time where you stopped using reference, right? Yeah, I use reference a little more now just because I, I uh, sure. It helps. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I stopped using reference for a while and then I was trying to draw so much because I, I really, really wanted to figure out how it was I drew. Mm. Um, and mm. the colors, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I I like to go on home improvement sites <laughs> and look at their color palettes and that's a lot of times how I pick them out. Cool. Um, this is really nice. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah. You were the uh, one who taught me how to steal color palettes. I didn't know that that was a thing until... I like an artist, yeah. Yeah, until <laughs> you had, like, pictures of other people's paintings in your studio, and then, like, I dropped color palettes next to it, and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it helps. Uh, <laughs> I've been wasting I, so much time. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, because most people wouldn't think of it like that, but, like, 
trying to figure it out, like taking one of your favorite artists and just being like, oh, they're doing that really well and like using that from it. Mm-hmm. Like, so for the, thing, sure. the things that you quote unquote steal, is it an intentional, like, I'm, I like the way that they do this, so I'm going to do that this way? Or is it more of like a, oh, I like this artist, I'm going to look at them a lot, and then you sort of subconsciously absorb whatever that you're um, I think it's investigating. probably both. I mean, if there's a certain piece I'm looking for something, I'll probably, like, the color palette's, like, absolutely. Because, like, mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. one is, like, if they're using it that way. I've found, like, a lot of times digitally, mm-hmm. uh, I really need to do that because it's just, like, you have, like, the whole friggin' rainbow to play with and sure. mm. I usually get caught up in it. Um, yeah. So I really need, like, a tight color palette for that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, for, like, style choices and compositions and stuff, that's usually more subconscious i like that though it's like in music i always try to make a nod to things that i respect or that i'm listening to a lot mm-hmm. i don't think the nod is often uh noticeable to anyone else but me mm-hmm. yeah. but it makes me feel like i'm acknowledging someone who made something yeah that i really respect and i get to like interpret it afterwards you know right yeah i mean i think a lot of times it's for yourself um mm-hmm. Because, I mean, like, really, unless I showed you, like, what I was looking at, like, I don't think it's always that obvious. Some of them it might be. (laughs) (laughs) When I met you, you were doing large canvas paintings and, like, very large-scale graphite drawings. Um, And then when you graduated, I saw that you were doing, like, way more illustrative work and then murals and then digital work. Have they been direct translations of the way that you work, or have you had to adapt the way that you work to the medium pretty heavily? Mm-hmm. Well, I think I, I started doing, I mean, because obviously, like, everyone takes, like, some form of digital in college, but I never, it never clicked because it always felt super, it just did not come easily mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Like, I could do it, but, like, it really felt like work. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm just, like, not great at picking up brushes in Photoshop. <laughs> like, mm. Real garbage. Um, yeah. But then, so then uh, there's an iPad in Procreate. And mm-hmm. so uh, <laughs> what I did is I was like, oh, that looks, like, fun. And everyone's, like, saying it's, like, great. So I approached the Apple Store and said that I would give a demo <laughs> oh, live. And so I, in, in order to try Procreate, <laughs> yeah. What? Having never used the program, and so I, yeah, I ended up going to the the Apple Store in front of like a whole crowd and like um, doing a live demo and answering questions, oh, and, and really just testing out their program. Um, but that's so funny. Talk about faking it until you make it. That's oh, hilarious. Hundred percent. I mean, that's what I did with murals too. Like the first, like so, that I had the art festival one, and then the first mural I had uh, was a big job, and I was just like, yo, like. Uh, do, uh, I'll paint this, and then like, ah. <laughs> so. how do you settle into that mindset? Because like I started teaching an intro to gouache class, and I literally use that paint every day, and still feel underqualified to teach a class on it. Like, how do you get in that headspace of like I'm just gonna do this, and they're gonna like it? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I just like. Uh, I just, I don't think I think it through sometimes. I think a lot of the times what I end up doing is, I'll, I, and I, I've done this for a lot, is I'll sign myself up for things and not think it, about it and then just like set it aside. And then when the time comes, it's like, it's sink or swim. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't give myself uh, enough time to think it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so then I don't have that thought. <laughs> I think sometimes that's for me is like the only way to get things moving. Yeah, mm. absolutely. <laughs> I won't try it otherwise. You know what I mean? So I might as well have something that makes me committed to it so that I'll give it a shot, you know? Right. Yeah. I've found, I mean, like I get really anxious about things. And so you're saying about the gouache, like if I had the time to, I would be a hot mess before. Oh, I am. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When I was a kid, I've always been a drummer, but my friend's band was like, we just kicked out our bass player. You play bass, right? And I didn't even own one. And I was like, yeah, I definitely play bass. Of course. (laughs) And then I went to the local music shop that afternoon and, bought a bass and showed up to practice (laughs) yeah and it's like like for me it's it's literally like you say it's like sink or swim once you get in that position you're either gonna sound like shit or paint like shit Mm. or it's gonna happen right and the only way to find out is just go for it yeah and i mean i've had ones where i've definitely sank for sure but like (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so what I was saying about, like, the um, the digital is that, like, the Procreate was just so, like, I did it on the fly in front of people, but I still, like, it was like, holy shit, like, I'm just drawing on a, a sketchbook. Mm. And so I think I've, I've found things that, like, they've worked for how I work. Yeah, I remember when you first handed me the iPad to play around with, it, like, oh, it's great. honestly, the Apple Pen is very surprising. It actually feels like you have a drawing instrument to work yeah. on a surface well, that and then the fact that you can use your fingers to move it around because mm-hmm. like for me it's it's a lot about touching the piece okay i don't know why but i have to touch it mm-hmm. um <laughs> mm. and so the fact that i can play with it with my hands is like it feels like i'm more a part of it so what was that what was that demo like did people dig it <laughs> like how did that go <laughs> it was so stupid <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, it just was just like, I mean, people liked it, but I, and I, I, it sounds like there was like a big like crowd for me, but in reality, it's just like a bunch of people like being impatient, waiting for their new iPhone. And then they have to listen to this <laughs> dumbass in front of them. And like, I have pretty colors. <laughs> Jesus. Someone who's using a program, doing a demo that they've never touched before. Dude, that is hysterical. Yeah. That's oh, awesome. That's great. I mean, yeah, it was 100% just me like, I want to try this program out. (laughs) Wow. Dang. You probably could have just gone to the store and tried it regardless, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Holy Holy shit. shit. (laughs) So was that like, uh, what, what, at what point in your life did this happen? You were in college or something like that? No, that was like, uh, two and a half, three years ago. And has that, that tool become like an integral part of what you do now? Oh, I use it on everything 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 Mm. um although i will say that uh for some reason i don't know how it happened but yeah i do most of my work digitally now or at least some form of the sketching but now i I, uh i've been looking for something else just because it's uh it doesn't last long (laughs) what do you mean the ipad dies and then i don't know if i'm just like i mean i am a sweaty person but uh (laughs) it, it makes my ipad malfunction uh, Holy shit! Super frustrating. <laughs> Dang. Um, Jeez. I think yeah. It's, yeah. It's so surprising to see you. I don't know working digitally so often because I just you were you seemed like such a materials nerd when I met you. But I guess like <laughs> I guess digital is a material. I mean, that, that definitely is my ha- my happiest place. Like mm-hmm. playing with paint and having it like somehow in my ear and 
having eaten a little bit by accident uh, is, yeah, my happy place. <laughs> so are you sketching in Procreate first and transferring that to these larger surfaces? Are you planning things out or do you get there and kind of just wing it? I plan it up to a degree, but mostly wing it. <laughs> I mean, like I would normally sketch it and then what I would do is I would do the color comp, get it approved, maybe do some edits just so I don't have to like figure too too much out on the wall but then i just mm -hmm. superimpose it on the wall mm. and then I, mm -hmm. I just have that print out when i go do you freehand it or do yeah. you yeah have you oh, ever been shit. <laughs> <laughs> i can't do grids i i get so it makes me more nervous like well, i no can't do it projectors or anything mm -mm, i can't do it i get super stiff have you ever i mean because of that method have you ever made a mural that you didn't like Oh, absolutely. And you were I mean, like, now this is on a fucking wall. Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, like I, I, like any like creative person, it's like you spend so much time on one piece and then, I don't know, maybe it's different for other people, but for me, usually it's like I finally finish it and I'm like, I can't, I can't look at that right now. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, yeah. I know like writing music, I'll finish an entire song and be like, well, this is trash. Yeah, you spend so much time on it too, yeah. It's never in a place where it's on display for people on a giant wall, so that takes some guts, man. <laughs> I mean, I usually, yeah. <laughs> I usually don't see most of them a lot of times in my everyday, so I don't have to think about it. <laughs> so going back a little bit to art school, we've had a bunch of different people on, like people who have gone to art school, people who have not gone to art school. Um, do you feel like it helped or hurt? Or I think it definitely helped me. I think for uh, like along my path I probably needed it at that point I mean I know I think we've talked about it a bit about like if art school like you can do it without and stuff um, mm -hmm. I, I usually go out of my way to find things that I, I want to do um, but I think for in that moment I really definitely needed it and I also really tried to get everything I could out I mean I, yeah. I, I mean you saw I had like two studios I was the only one who had like two studios and mm -hmm. oh, shit. Uh, took extra classes and yeah I did a lot we had similar working habits in school. Yeah, masochistic guy. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like studio troll status. I remember oh, the absolutely. first time I went into your painting studio and I saw like a sleeping bag and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, was, I was a filthy mess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I sometimes uh, you kind of have to live in it though to to make it work. Like yeah. if I if I'm going to make a record, I literally don't want to leave the studio. Until oh, it's over. I, I think the physical location has a lot to do with it for me. And as soon as you break that and step away from it, my mind gets so distracted so yeah. quickly that I'm out of it immediately. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I can't talk to people if I'm trying to, especially if I'm like sketching because that's the idea phase. I can't talk to anyone. <laughs> mm -hmm. Can you listen to music while you do it? I do, but I'm a real piece of shit. And I just listen to things I've listened to like hundreds of times before. But that's like, yep. I don't think that's a piece of shit thing. I think that's like a... I mean, well, if you saw what it was I was listening to. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what do you listen to? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm just Eminem, like, <laughs> over and over. My friend Susan, is, she has um, a doctorate in neural cognition, Whoa. Uh, specializing in auditory memory. And she talks about the feeling that people get re-listening to music a lot. And there's something about the ease and the comfort of knowing what's coming that mm. is like very soothing to someone internally and your body actually has like an endorphin reaction to it yeah so it totally makes sense that when you're working you want to be in your most comfortable state with something that oh. 
eases that endorphin movement like right out of the gate you know what i mean yeah so listening to something familiar in order to get into a more creative headspace is like very logical even if it's not intentional yeah know? yeah i mean most of the times when i put music on i i, I couldn't tell you what i listened to for the last 10 minutes yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's simply a, a way to get into like the mindset do you feel like you're a very conscious creator like you go in and you're like, this is the kind of thing that I'm going to do. Or you're one of those people that like disappears and then comes on the out the other side with yeah, something. Not not conscious at all. Yeah, I, I get same. frustrated that by how I like, cannot do it. Same. Yeah, 100%. Like I have to just be like in the moment and I just make it on the fly. I always want to be like the conscious one because I'm like, oh, that's like so cool. Like I make it like a, like a smart design, but never works. <laughs> yeah, man. What's the decision-making process then? Because the the content that you use, I mean, it is figurative. And because there are figures present, it, it's um, automatically going to have like a narrative feel to it. So is it premeditated or is it literally just vomiting images out? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> it's probably a bit of vomiting images out. Really? Yeah, I mean, like, so, okay. So, like, I, I'm working on a job right now. I have, like, a big sketchbook that I just... I don't really like to make the boxes. I just draw whatever the heck comes to mind, and I, mean, sure. I filled out sure. three or four of those, and then I put those in the Procreate, and I made like seven of them. Mm-hmm. I only showed them three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but mm-hmm. yeah, just trying to do like everything, everything I can think of, and then like uh, when something clicks, like okay, that's that's got something to it. I mean, you have like reoccurring characters, like oh, there's the the person with the box on their head, yeah, Benji box, yeah, Benji box. Benji box. Yeah. Is there yeah. a story behind that? Uh, it's a stupid one. <laughs> uh, no, when I was when I was in like high school, I used to listen to like uh, MF Doom a lot, and mm-hmm. I there was one song Benzy Box, and I thought it was called Benji Box, and so, yep. <laughs> and that's literally where it came from. <laughs> but I mean, I always also liked how he was as an artist. Like he, mm-hmm. it was not about like who he was as a person. He stepped back, and it was all about the work. Right. I think that's super cool. To me, if you want to make something that's going to outlast yourself, you have to make it not about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. To me, that dude created like a total conceptualized character and world that he sort of lived in and made his music in. I love the fact that I can tell you nothing about his personal life, period. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love that. I think my favorite part was I read like a story about like how he would have other people go perform for him because it's not about like who he was like it's the music not him damn i didn't know that yeah he would have him dress up as him and then just show up sick but isn't that like a projection of self even if it's a character Mm -hmm. that you're portraying it's still a projection or a version of yourself right absolutely so like even though it's a character that he created to some degree it it's got to be autobiographical yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Benji box one, I would say, it, I usually draw some myself in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Even if it's not intentional. Yeah. You can't help but do it. I think that I've gotten to a point in my work where like, it's, I feel like I consistently l- looks the same, but I don't really feel like it's got consistent characters. Like, it's, mm-hmm. they recur, but it's not like in a way that I, I wouldn't really call it like my character. It's just like something that like, comes to mind. I'm like, I'm going to draw that again. Mm. right it's not like you're drawing a comic book for 20 years or something yeah you know with the same characters the entire time yeah like he, i mean like he just would be a character that is in some images but there's like no doesn't really have a story or anything mm-hmm. so 
In continuing to make work, do you have something that you're searching or pushing for, or is this just um, become something that you just enjoy the continual pursuit of? I mean, I always enjoy <laughs> just right. painting. Uh, but I feel like I always am trying to simplify and like uh, make like the one stroke be like the one stroke, one plane kind of thing hmm. on the painting. Um, I don't think I'm very successful at it at all. <laughs> what exactly does that mean? If you like, can so, elaborate. I mean, Julie, you'd know who this is. Uh, Greg Manchess is mm-hmm. a illustrator who's like a really phenomenal painting. So if you look at his paintings, they're like very, there's a lot of movement in it. And if you watch him paint, like each stroke is like thought out and like it's, he just puts it down and it oh, okay. creates a space. Mm-hmm. I want to do that, but I feel like yeah. it's like one of those things where I was like, I'm, I'm, I don't think that way when I paint. Yeah. I'm the same way. I mean, like, so there's, there's indirect painting and there's direct painting. So indirect mm-hmm. painting is when you're like building something from the canvas up and you're kind of, it's that push pull. It's like you're sort of yeah. carving something out of the marble. Whereas Got direct it. painting is that you like have that perfect brush load and you just put it down and that's the way that it's going to stay. It's like a mm. first take. It's a lot of planning. And I Very feel deliberate. like, yeah, it's extremely deliberate. Mm. And I, I cannot work that way. I just no, I like, <laughs> I, I'm not that calculated and every piece is like an exploration. And I just, mm. I don't want to know where I'm already going. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I know I'm like always do the push pull, but like I always want to have some of the brush strokes in the end, and that's the part that like bums me out. That like I usually just work the piss out of it, and it's just all gone at the end. Mm-hmm. Well, but you were saying earlier of, of like wanting those flat planes of color and like having it be more, I don't know, more like color focused. So how are you searching for that balance of like the brushiness, but also the like big planes of color? So I've said, like, when um, I started painting, I would draw with a paintbrush, and it's I'm trying to do, like, less line work. Because hmm. that's always where I go to, is I'll just draw over everything. And so for most of my paintings, the process is I will paint all the flat color down, and then mm-hmm. after that, I draw over the whole thing. Right. Um, and yeah. so trying to do less of that. That was something that I was working on, too, because um, part of the reason why I love gouache is because it's so easy to draw on top of. And I would, like make a pretty vague painting and then carve everything out with uh, graphite and it felt kind of like training wheels of like I wasn't able to achieve it with the paint alone and I needed the aid of the like detail pencil which was a material that I've been familiar with since I could hold a pencil yeah. but like it it is really hard to try and train yourself and like take those training wheels off of just being able to achieve that level of definition with just the paint. Well, that, and for me, because I use markers, I always find it really flattens it, and that bums me out. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I guess I'm, like, trying to figure out if you're, like, if you're enjoying the flatness or if you're... I think it comes and goes. Okay. (laughs) I mean, it's it's also, like, it's just one of those things that's, like, whatever you're looking at at the moment, that's going to be what you gravitate towards. Uh, So, I mean, like, there'll be weeks where I'm, like, I want that, and then there are other weeks where, like, that's terrible. What am I doing? (laughs) Yep. I tend to be... Uh, when I make music, I tend to take the song idea to like a maximalist point and then try and trim the fat afterwards and Mm -hmm. be like, what the fuck is all this other shit that I just (laughs) put in here? Like, why did I do that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I trim the fat, but I would do it on the, on the the front end. Cause I feel like if I have too much at the beginning, I'm just, I'm going to make a world of mess. 
Got it. Uh, and so that's what I was saying about like picking uh, color palettes or like picking them from like home improvement. So then it's like I only have that to work with, and so then it's a lot easier. Yeah, you have your your lights, your mids, and your darks. And yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know if you had him as a teacher, but uh, Nick McNally. I never did, and yeah. I I missed out on that one. Because <laughs> it well, because it's it's funny that like now with my work, the things that like people recognize my work for is stuff I never ever ever used. Like I never painted, and for color, I I just like shit the rainbow, and called it a day. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until his class that he was like, well, you only need like really three colors to do the whole color palette. And I was like, holy shit. I get it. <laughs> Not really, <Yeah>. but... <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, if, can you explain what that means? Yeah, so he was just saying that like, as far as getting a, a broad range of color palette, you really only need some form of a yellow, and that can be anything from like a cadmium yellow, which is kind of warm, to like a yellow ochre, which is like more beige-looking and cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, or and then some form of a blue and some form of red and then obviously white and with that you can achieve like a broad range of color got it um, and so you really don't need to be putting a ton of color on your palette uh, in order to get those things wow. which is totally contrary to what we were taught in our color class it was literally called like color class, class. <laughs> and <laughs> i did not get along in that class huh well, he, he was able to break it down in a way that my dumb ass could understand it. And I'm like, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that even makes sense to me. And I've never mixed yeah, colors, well, period. That and, the, and then the other, like, the key, key one that he would say was that you would have a mother color. And so a mother color mm-hmm. is like one color that you use throughout the painting to make it look like it's cohesive. So mm-hmm. if I was to use, like, some form of a blue and I put that and I mix that in every color I used, that painting now looks like harmonious in a way. And you can use that vice versa to make it like more intentional. Mm-hmm. I was watching somebody do a demo and they were their paint water. I mean, paint water gets pretty dirty pretty fast. And he was like, yeah, I never really changed my paint water because if you have... I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't either. If you have dirty paint water throughout your whole painting, then color harmony is inevitable because you're using the same dirty water the whole, for the yeah. whole thing. Whoa, cool. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I also don't... Uh, wash my brushes when I'm using them as much, mm-hmm. which is, uh, yeah, this is why I didn't get along in that first class because the teacher was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was part of my gripe with institutionalized art education is that you are taught the academic side of making art and you are taught one way to do it. And art making is... I don't know, the resulting product is always a conversation, so why shouldn't making it and learning it be the same thing? Like, mm-hmm. why can't we have a conversation about color palette instead of being told that I need 20 colors on my palette? You know, like, yeah. why can't we have a conversation about composition instead of saying that these are the ways to make a good composition? Right. I mean, I agree, but I think also at a point, like, for me, I don't know how it was for you, but, like, at the beginning, I needed to have some form of rules of being, like, this is all you can use. Otherwise, I mean, I, I feel like Knowing how I am, I would have been completely lost and like hmm. been overwhelmed a bit. And so I just, I think I needed the training wheels slightly and then being sure. like, okay, now you can do something mm-hmm. stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's tough when you go into some type of art education and you come to the realization of like, okay, they have to have a curriculum because right. their institution requires you to get graded on some type of rule set, right? Uh, and it took me a while to realize how that rule set implemented itself into what I make after the fact. I don't think right. while I was there, I understood the purpose. 
No, not at all. No. Yeah. And when I got out of there and I started doing things on my own and then realizing like, oh, I just played this Latin rhythm that I could have sure. given two fucks about five years ago right. in yeah. this song and it totally changed everything, you know? Yeah. And I think that's why for me, like the Nick McNally one was so important because he like took all that and then it was like, well, you could also apply it this way. And then I was like, holy shit. Mm. Um, mm. So that was super important. And, and if you didn't have something like that experience, then I would see it would be like much harder to figure out. I just feel like there has to be some kind of way for a gradual removal of those training wheels. Because I feel like my experience was that I was in classes that strictly had the training wheels on and it was like, you need to use these exact colors and this exact composition and like mm. this is the exact way to do this mm. and then all of a sudden it's junior year and i'm allowed to paint however yeah and <laughs> i don't know how to do that <laughs> um, I, I always just felt like i was always like out in right field just doing whatever the hell i wanted to do and the teachers were like what the fuck is wrong with this kid and <laughs> And so I would just, like, that's why I wouldn't get along in the color painting classes, because I would just be doing my own thing. And <laughs> I'm sure that went over great. <laughs> it, did, it did not. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I feel like I always just, like, I took what I wanted from those things, and then I just was doing my own thing. Mm. I don't um, know how to do that. I think I just was such a stubborn ass that <laughs> like, mm. there's no other way I could have done it. Right. Yeah. But that's also the sign of a good teacher. Like that dude who saw what you were doing and oh, was yeah. like, was yo, check this out. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So are you kind of like a, a traveling, like hired muralist at this point? Do you get to like... <laughs> I freaking wish. Mm, uh, okay. I mean, I think with everything that's been happening, uh, that has gone down significantly. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that would be the ideal. Like, that's like what you're gunning for? That's oh, sick. absolutely. Um, yeah. it's, I would say it's it's become a lot harder. I mean... So when I was in college, I think it was just becoming popular to do murals and be a mural artist. Like, it really wasn't a thing before that. Got it. Uh, I remember asking my teachers how to do it, and they're like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so now it's, like, it's much more popular. And uh, so it's it's quite uh, hard, to, I think, to get into that. Mm. Uh, at least a little harder, but, I mean, I still think it's a fucking blast. So for something that doesn't come with a guidebook, mm. how did you figure that out? Trial and error. <laughs> really? Mm. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I always usually try to find people who are doing the things I like to do. So I would, I've done a lot of internships or just shown up to people's fucking studios and then tried to like figure out like how in the hell did you make this work? Mm -hmm. um, so I did that a bit with some mural artists to figure it out. For me, I always have to do the thing first and like just figure it out as I'm doing it and like touching it and feeling it. Mm -hmm. So it was a bit of both. Uh, the budget thing, uh, I was lucky enough to, like, yeah, the, the one of the mural artists that I I was with, uh, he just said, like, a, like, a general, like, rule of thumb, like, $15 per square foot. And, I mean, obviously, you can adjust that because, like, in an interior mural, like, it's going to be significantly cheaper because it's going to be small square footage. Um, and then mm -hmm. if you get really big, I mean, that can be an astronomical budget. So, mm -hmm. but, I mean, I, it was really just, I was just lucky to, like, find jobs that for some reason trusted my stupid ass to like paint their wall <laughs> and go run to lift. Um, yeah. 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 And through that, that's really how I was able to figure it out. Were those other artists really open to you just kind of showing up and asking questions? Yeah, for sure. That's really? awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, cause I'm open to that too. It's like, 
I mean, you're painting a huge wall. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't think people realize that it's exhausting. Like you're, you're still, like, I physically am tired because I'm running up and down, going up and down. The first one I did, I had to end up having to push the scissor lift everywhere I went because the ground was so shitty mm-hmm. that like I was just tanks by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so any help would, was like so welcome. Like, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll Got it. buy you, buy you lunch, whatever. Um, right. Right. So yeah, absolutely. But in terms of kind of like the tricks of the trade, mm-hmm. I guess with that kind of stuff, everyone probably has their own tricks, but when you're right. asking specifically, like, how did you do that? And what's your trick to getting that done? People were generally pretty open. So I guess I don't, I never really asked questions about like how they painted it. Cause like, Got it. I, I work so specifically to myself that like, Got it. I can't really adapt to other people's. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more like, how did you make this business? Like, how did you right. figure out the pricing or what materials you needed? That makes sense. So with like the world of murals, I feel like it's very common for people to have a street art name. Um, mm-hmm. What's the story behind that? Like, why is that a, a widely used thing to have like a like a persona? I feel like I feel like I'm probably the, the worst person is I like I feel like I'm just doing it as like almost as like a fanboy. <laughs> like I just think that shit's cool. I, I don't know. I mean, I think it probably came from like graffiti writing and like having a name and like that is illegal. And so like you can't be okay. putting your name up in recent years. It's now become like instead of graffiti art, it's more like the mural artists are becoming mainstream. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, th- I think it would be. From that, I'm probably entirely wrong. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah. it, it also kind of goes back to what we were talking about with MF Doom. Like, and the art surpassing the individual. Yeah, mm. it's some form of anonymity as well in your right. personal life. And you can kind of remove yourself from it in a way where the art speaks more for itself. Mm. Like, I never want to put out music under my name because I don't want people to think of me before they listen. Yeah, I mean, that makes total sense. But the other thing I think, and this actually did have some to do with how I picked what I would write, uh, is I, I like the look of the letters. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, they're softer. Um, I think for my full name, it's like, I, I like like a subtle color palette and like more pastel colors. And it mm-hmm. just didn't, in my head, it didn't make sense to go with that. And I like the way that Quinto wrote in Undercase. And it comes from your middle name, right? Yeah, Quinto. Oh, sick. That makes so much more sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> people, people are always like, where did it come from? I'm like, it's just, it's just my middle name. And there's, <laughs> there's already a Zachary Quinto written Q-U-I-N-T-O, and he's uh, popular, so I was like, I don't want competition. <laughs> yeah. So I'll write it different. Coming out of this whole isolation experiment we're in, do you have things that you're excited about and looking forward to, or are you just kind of, yeah, what's going on now? Yeah, um... I mean, it's odd because I feel like, I don't Julie, I don't know how your experience has been, but I've talked to people on the East Coast and I feel like it's been a lot different where I've lived. <laughs> really? Like, people don't give a shit. Really? And also, now I live near the mountains, so I can escape into the woods. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing is definitely just, like, traveling and traveling overseas. I think that really informs my work a lot, and I've been, like, really pining for that. Are there any places that you went that, like, totally changed your perspective on your work? Iceland. Iceland? Yeah. I went with an artist group um, and then my girlfriend met up with me after a week and we just bopped around and there's just like nobody there. Like once you get out of the main city, there's like very few people. I mean, there's a lot of tourists, but like if you drive an hour away, like they all of a sudden go away. 
Mm. Um, so it was just like mountains and like crazy, crazy views and lots of sheep. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, like just that one. And then probably also Paris. I love the old architecture. Sure. It's just so cool. Paris is super cool. Yeah. How would you feel that both of those places carry out in your work? I don't know. I feel like usually how it goes is I'll go travel somewhere and then that will like re-energize me to create more stuff. Sure. I don't know if it directly translates. I mean, probably after Paris, I'd draw like a lot of landscapes, like single buildings with like a large uh, sky above. Mm-hmm. Iceland, I don't think really there was a lot that I drew from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just like generally being excited about it. I think like just seeing things and like that will spark interest mm. that are different from what I see in my everyday. Mm-hmm. Do you still work in your sketchbook? Not really, honestly. Not as much. I like it's an. I feel embarrassed to say like I really don't sketches like i sketch a lot but it's all procreate mm. like the, yeah i have like so many sketches in that mm. it's funny though because that is the one part for digital that i have i have a very hard time sketching digitally mm. just because like i had you have everything at your disposal and so me being the indecisive fuck that i am uh <laughs> can't figure out what i'm drawing mm-hmm. uh, and so i i do actually really really like drawing my sketchbook i just for some reason i don't do it as much anymore mm-hmm. For me on the digital end, it was always mixing colors because it, yeah, like absolutely. I just, I don't know, using a color picker versus a palette knife yeah, is just... it's a lot. It's, I mean, you can pick anything. And I, I don't know how to do that. Like, my brain doesn't yeah. work that way because it's all of this, like, very precise, like, eyedropper, mm-hmm. so specific, whereas mm-hmm. the way that I actually work is very, like okay, well, I'm going to add a little dab of this. And then, oh, that's like maybe not as cool as I want. So I'll add a little dab of this. And it's like, it's a searching process. Do you feel like you like that aspect of digital or do you feel like you do still have that searching process? (laughs) No? No, no. And I mean, I think that that's why I think I work the same way traditionally as I do digitally. Mm -hmm. And I have to have, this is what I'm using and like this is what I have at my disposal. And, And I mean, obviously at some point in the work, like sometimes I will pick other stuff, but... I always have to have that at the beginning. Otherwise, I just get super indecisive about it. Yeah. That's like uh, when I started diving into electronic music. I was about to ask. Yeah, you you probably have everything at your disposal there. It's insane, dude. Yeah. It is like so overwhelming. So what I started to do in the program is make a template that's like when I open it up, there's these 10 instruments in here that I know feel good with me to mess around with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I open a blank session and those instruments come up and then eventually it'll turn into something else. But initially I need that like, no, these are the sounds you have to work with. Start something. And just when it starts from a blank session file, I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, Yeah, so like the things you're familiar with that you can use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, I, I use the same brushes always. Right. And I have like the color palette I pick. So I mean, it's like, it, there's a lot of choices, but it's the same as you picking 10 instruments. Like I have... I have them picked out at the beginning. Right, there you go. Do you always start with color? Do I always start with color? No, I start with, uh, I start with line, always. Huh. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, do you pick your color palette before you go? Like, is that what no. inspires you? No? Sometimes. It depends. Like, so if it's for a job, yes. Okay. If it's for myself, probably not. Right. Because um, I'm probably trying to try a different color palette or combination that I haven't done before. Sure. So it'll probably be just like me scribbling some crazy shit and then like, <laughs> like, ah, oh, these, these are pretty colors. I'll try those. Yeah. When you're working with a client, I guess that color palette would be like a really important decision. Is that something that you work out beforehand? Yeah. With, with yeah. the client? 
for sure. And and then obviously like the clients vary and so that they can be more a part of it and they can have like a big uh, say or not at all. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about murals. It's like, I guess it's because they're not art directors so they don't have as much uh, know-how. Sure. So they kind of just let me have free reign. That's so Yeah. So like for this current job I'm doing, like I sent them three different color palettes and just had them shown and sent them monochromatic sketches and be like, I'll change this with this and mm-hmm. is that can work. I love being given a color palette. Yeah. I, I just did a job where like their only art direction was like, we just want this color palette. And I was yeah. like, sick. Yeah. I mean, mm. I think it's super nice to have like some form of like, this is what you have to use at your disposal. Because I mean, I've had jobs where it's just like, fucking do whatever. And I feel like I always take longer because I'm like, yeah, I could do everything. Anything. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially on such a huge fucking surface, man. Holy yeah. shit. I, honestly, like, I don't even think the surface matters. It's just like the fact that it's like a blank canvas and like you can do an, in anything on one. it. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> so yeah. my experiences in working and like being art directed by people who don't have that know-how, uh, they generally get pretty hung up on the sketches. Do you experience oh, God, that? Oh, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think that's one of the things you learn as being like a professional creative is like what you can show people. Because mm-hmm. like I, I definitely do not show very much. I just told you like I did like four sketchbook pages full and like so many sketches, but like they saw only what I want them to see. Because they right. always pick the one that you're like, I don't fucking like that one. <laughs> But you picked it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Uh, I also work as a recording engineer. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what you run into is what I call demo-itis, where somebody's like, they did a demo in their bedroom, mm. and they really just want you to remake that. And you're yeah. like, well, dude, yep. why did you hire me? You already have the demo. Absolutely. Like, what are we doing here? Why did you hire all these musicians to play this song if yeah. you just want them to play what you played already? This yeah, is and silly. It's always a thing of you having to figure that out, like, because they clearly have like a specific thing in mind of what they want, and then like you play that game of like, okay, like, yeah, what, what do you actually want? Right. <laughs> Let me try and read your mind. Yeah, I mean, I I also think I have been fortunate enough that I've gotten enough jobs that like when I see the one that they're like, right. When I see them coming, I'm like, mm, maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. That job. Well, you're probably on the easier side to hire because you do have like a pretty consistent style. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you start with? Like, what's usually the seed? Um, probably a narrative. I usually like to have some form of a story in mind. Sure. But then also, like, I will just have, like, a blank page and just start drawing. And whatever it is I'm starting to gravitate towards, it's... I mean, there's always probably always going to be a figure. I like doing landscapes, but I always find that, like, I have the most fun drawing figures. So when you're talking about a story with a still image, are you thinking of what happened before and after the frame that you're making? Are you like, okay, like uh, this is a moment that was preceded by this and followed by this. Yeah. Cool. So one of the murals I did where it was like a comic book. And so as you walk down the wall, it was like a story as it went. And so the one I've always wanted to do is like somehow make a physical animation. And like, so you could take it off the wall. And so it would be like a moving image. I haven't figured out how to do it yet, though. <laughs> mm. So how I think of it is like kind of like a grandfather clock of like it would be like um, like a still image, and there'd be one part that would move, and so like there would just be like kind of clockwork behind it, and it would turn, wow. and so the figure whatever would move. That's fucking know. cool. Yeah, 
I read a lot of comic books, and mm-hmm. your work has some of that vibe in there to me. Have you ever done anything like that? Is that something that you would be interested in? No. <laughs> no. Cool. Uh, well, so, I mean, I, I read a lot of comics. I nerd out super hard on them. Um, mm-hmm. And my buddy does do comics, and I, I just, the idea seems fun to me, mm-hmm. and I always draw narratively, but um, I can't do that many images and focus on them all. Like I, sure. I just, I, I tend to, like I would end up focusing on one panel and like just spending way too much time on it. Mm. Right. I think that like a good comic artist is probably one of like the, like I think one of the better technically yeah. artists. Yeah. Like, mm. Interesting. Yeah, it's nuts. Seeing something like, what the fuck's his name? Greg Ruth. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Insane. Watching him draw, like I just was like, holy Jesus. Tomer Hanuka? Yeah. Fucks me up. Or, like Kim Jong Gi and um, Greg Ruth, I, I haven't seen Tom Hanuka draw, but like it's just like watching them with for one ink on a blank piece of paper just create this wild ass image that is like really fucking good. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that they can just like do that on a whim, uh, whereas like for me, I have to just sketch and sketch and sketch and sketch over right, it. Right, I see it what you're saying. A hot mess. I mean, so usually when. I'm drawing a figure, you start with a loose structure where you, like, uh, this circle is where the head is going to go later. But they would just, like, start with the eyeball and then work their way out, and then all of a sudden it's, like, a very realistic-looking head. It's Their first line, yeah, is, like, final work. (laughs) I assume it's a... It's a cause of the industry. Yes. Because if you're releasing a new issue every week or whatever... The amount of work they have done is, like, insane. Fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I could never... But, like, Tomer Hanuka did um, a comic with, I, th- I can't remember if it was with his brother or with his cousin, but um, you can see it translate into his editorial work. And that makes him a really good editorial artist is because he's done so much volume and so much fast accurate working and the other thing with comics is that each individual frame is a composition but then also the page is a composition and Mm -hmm. so you have to think about all of those layers and so when you take it to editorial work you're hired for one single full page frame and they just fucking crush it because they're used to doing like 50 of those right right so do you have any uh projects that you're excited about on the horizon yeah so this one i'm working on right now i'm putting up a mural in this like um, high end butchery shop, that's also like a really nice restaurant. It's so fucking cool. cool. The most exciting thing to me is like that their website was so well designed and their space is like so curated that I was like, holy shit! Cool. So that that one I'm super stoked for. Um, past that, I'm kind of just flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> yeah. So you also just moved too from a place that you were living for a while, and I know that. Yeah murals are very um, encompassing of the community surrounding them. How has moving affected how you approach your work? Uh, it's been great. Really? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a blast. I mean, I was living in Memphis and I just, it wasn't my scene really. And like, mm-hmm. I didn't, I mean, there's no outdoorsy things and I, I always love being outdoors and being active. Mm-hmm. And I also hate the humidity. Mm-hmm. So wasn't a great combination for me but then being here uh yeah it's been great i mean it also helps to like i've talked about this with my uh mom and girlfriend about like how like it's like that thing of like when you move to a new place you're like the new hot shit mm. um and like this ooh, new shiny and so like yeah i've definitely gotten some good feedback of that because i'm like cool. new to town cool mm. so they've been a lot more willing they also have a very good art community here really in comparison to where i was which it wasn't fantastic mm. it's a pretty big deal 
And you're, uh, sorry, I totally forgot where you are. Denver? Outside of Denver? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Dope. Right out of Denver. Denver's a cool town. I like it there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like it a lot. Well, shit, I feel like that was yeah. fucking I mean, rad. We always close out the same way. Uh, if you could recommend three artists, three people that you're looking at, inspired by, or people that you want other people to look at and just spread the love to. Gosh. I don't know why this is the part that like stressed me out the most. <laughs> it's like, I need to pick someone that's like so cool and like, whoa, that's amazing. Just somebody that inspires you. It doesn't, yeah. Yeah. yeah so I guess I'd just say like the ones that I'm like currently looking at. Yeah. It to be like Matthew Velvet. Uh, it's a French artist. He's an amazing painter. Cool. Let's say Ariz. I always look at him. Crazy muralist. And then probably just Saner, because I always look at Saner. <laughs> it's just like always. I didn't I, expect anything Ariz and different. Saner, I have like, I have like all their friggin' art books because I fanboy so hard on them. Mm. Uh, so Ariz and Saner are two mural artists. Uh, Ariz is in Spain, I believe, and then Saner is a Polish street artist. And they, they're like the ones that like they kind of started the movement. Like it really was like that's what make made murals popular. Sweet. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning into episode 25 of the Seedcast featuring illustrator and muralist Zach Kramer. For more information about our show and our guests, both previous and upcoming, please follow us at the Seedcast on Instagram or email us at casttheseed at gmail.com. Coming up next week, we sit down with musician Ben Cosgrove. Stay tuned in. <laughs>